Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Brittany Jenkins, who constantly blew my mind with her sage-like wisdom. She is truly erudite beyond measure. She also opens up about how meditation has helped her through dark times. She provides a unique perspective on the incorporation of various art mediums in the theater space. And finally, she drops some interesting behind-the-scenes deets that may surprise you about Jay Peckham's Christmas Carol. On with the show. Uh, so we'll get started. Uh, welcome, Brittany Jenkins, to Sarnia Famous. Thank you so much for making time for me today. You look adorable. Little headband. Oh. Uh, thank you. My daughter, Bernadine, suggested it. It's She's a fashion cute. consultant, I would say, in the making. Aww. She's about five. Well, she just turned five with her twin brother. So. Okay. But thank you so much for having me to your show. I love what you're doing. Calling attention to youth theater programs is a huge deal. And there are opportunities when you call attention to youth theater, like you're doing with Sarnia Famous, opportunities for financial support and recognition throughout the community. So thank you. Oh, that, wow. That, that's uh, Buy a t-shirt, everybody. Go yeah, to the exactly. Youth group. <laughs> uh, programming at Sarnia, uh, the Imperial. Thank you. That was very kind. You're making my cheeks turn red. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I can bear I see you on my tiny screen, but... <laughs> so usually how I... Literally, I'm blushing. I, uh, how I like to open up is to mention how I worked with the guests. So way back when, you and I worked on Miracle on 34th Street. And I have such fond memories of you because there was the one scene that I had to, like... I was all frazzled and I had to literally throw myself on you... <laughs> and deliver some silly line and you were kind of bracing yourself because you were being a, a lawyer correct yes and you yes. were very you embodied it so well you were so professional <laughs> and so put together and and I was this complete disaster and I I practically yeah. pushed you off the stage oh, every single time I just time. loved I loved that for sure like the dynamic was there and the funny thing about that show Dallas is they had this rehearsing quite separately didn't mm. they I mean there was a time where your scene was polished and I had never seen it until it was polished and there you were with all of these elves from the North Pole yelling at you and you're at the podium. And I was like, man, she really, she's got it. Like, how can you be, to be a comedic actor is one big on-taking, I would say, or overtaking, or however you want to put it, because to uh, feel the moment, kind of work with the funny kind of stuff, it, it can become non-genuine, but you were hilarious every rehearsal and you found a way to still be frazzled, <laughs> genuinely frazzled. And it made the scene perfectly and yeah for for the lawyer thing for me I mean I wish I could be that comedic person and that really is kind of who I am but embodying that role I kind of wanted it to be like oh my goodness is uh, Santa really gonna go in the slammer you know I really wanted the audience to be on edge for that I you you stop it because you're you I can't I won't be able to interview you if I'm if I'm completely befuddled with an embarrassment and compliments. So, uh, thank you for all these kind words. Um, yeah, no problem. You had a tough role though, in that you were there to put him in the slammer. That was, yeah. you know, did you did you experience any kind of backlash or 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 any kind of negativity because of being that role? 
Um, I think it was uh, well, pretty well accepted, actually. I generated a lot of friendships throughout the show. However, that can be bridged by the youth that were involved in the show, which would have involved my daughter, Ava. So Ava had, like, lots of friends that she was hanging out with. You know how it is at a rehearsal. It's hurry up and be ready, get in place, but then hurry up and be quiet when you're not on. And those kids were really good at being quiet. They created a little group and... They defined like an area where they could hang out together. So sometimes I could go back and joke with them or there was like some kind of game that they were playing like you freeze a mannequin game that kind of stuff. So it really wasn't that bad. It was the week two weeks of the show got very stressful. I had just learned that I lost somebody a friend. Oh no! So that that made it really hard because I thought about how the stress could possibly make me forget some lines on stage. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. uh, so I just powered through it and really stayed in uh, the mind frame of this character. And then the other thing I did was I played a lot of sports as a kid. So I decided at the end of this show, she, the character, the lawyer, should just shake Santa's hand. I mean, good game, Santa. I mean, you win, you know. And I thought... That on its own was a good way to summarize or to end the whole conflict. And I, and I think the audience actually caught it, you know. We're all singing and dancing, but I'm shaking Santa's hand and going, you're really him. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I didn't catch that. And I'm so glad that you mentioned it because that is a really simple but powerful yeah. way to bring your character full circle. And I, I'm very sorry that you lost someone but it just it speaks to your professionalism and your talent that I don't I didn't know and it it never you know you were always at rehearsals you were always you know doing your very best and that's incredible that you were you were suffering a loss and and worrying about it as well but still able to come through for everybody else so that thank you for well, it's funny because you came in the room, you saw me, you caught me sitting there thinking, I can't remember the word you used, but I was like, I don't know that word, so no, I'm I'm not feeling that way. And then I came home and looked it up, and it was hilarious. It was like, it looked like I was deep in thought, and I sure was. I was so deep in thought, and it was just kind of like meditation, like, I accept this loss, but I, mm. I've got to go on there and, you know, say the right words. And the funny thing with my method for memorizing lines is kind of like wrapping it out like you're you get that rhythm and if you can keep that rhythm every time you deliver the line you're not going to forget the line so that that was the key to it that day and for a couple shows after that news came so I love that it's something I often like to ask people is how they go about learning their lines because it's certainly something that I struggle with incredibly but you, you wrap them out. I love that. So there's like a rhythm yeah. to it. So you look for those those patterns in the speech when you're learning the lines, and that's how you create that wrap? Yeah, for sure. There's a wrap, and then huh, so it develops while you're reading along. You sort of cover up the words as you go. That's the first phase of memorization for me. The second stage would be I actually will write just the first letter of every single word in the paragraph that I'm delivering. So it'll look like a secret code. It'll go A-S-L-A-K-I-H, comma, H-I-B, bye. And then, I, and really, it's me. For one play, I had to call my father, father, dad, father, dad. And they wanted it to the T because it was being adjudicated. Oh. 
And so I developed that technique during that show for the adjudicated show. Someone there watching that play has seen it many, many times. They know it word for word. They might have even played your character. Wow. Uh, so, so word for word, and you just, yeah, you can start out with, say if I was going to, my line was London One Act Festival, it would just be L-O-A-F, you know, and then it says loaf, but I know it's a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. That's a, like, what a, a wonderful way to condition your brain to remember something in a different yeah. way. Like, it, it sounds almost like a layering, what you're doing. I do a couple layers, yeah, for sure. That's super, super cool. Uh, I feel like you could probably teach me a lot because I just like <laughs> read it over and over and over again and hope and pray that it stays in there. I, I love the what you said too about the adjudication that someone could have played that role. They could actually yeah. have an intimate personal investment in that character that you need to do justice to. That is very powerful. Oh my goodness. So many things that you just said. I'm like, I want to talk about them, but I don't want to forget it. (laughs) And I I just found meditation last year and I felt as though this veil was lifted and, and so many wonderful things were brought to me because I discovered it and invested in it. And I love that you said being deep in thought is kind of a meditative process for you. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know for myself, being deep in thought can sometimes be a hindrance. I get Correct. too caught up in in my own self that I can't well, see the bigger picture. I've just developed a new technique, and this is a technique taught by an old Buddhist teacher, Shongyang Trumpa Rinpoche. And he says, as you exhale, so your problems dissolve. So focus on the exhale, and automatically you will inhale after that exhale. And your thoughts are only thoughts, so when they arise, call them thoughts and label them only as thoughts. They're not good, they're not bad. They don't make you evil, they don't make you better. They're just thoughts, and then you can blow those away. So there's open meditation where you're openly just not focused, and it's flowing. And then there's a focused meditation as well, and that, I think, confuses people often. So your focused meditation would be to quelch those thoughts and, and only focus on one situation. And that, that in itself is a whole, a whole book you can read. <laughs> I hope that you will send me any books, any and all books that inspire you sincerely, like from one, one to another, sure. please send me a list of yeah. anything that I, I love to read and I love consuming books on something that I'm passionate about, which is meditation. For sure. now. Yeah. And, and I, these, some of these books, it's like, once you're done them, it's a shame because it puts you in such a good frame of mind, you know, you're, so you, you want to uh, almost kind of keep reading and making sure that you're checking yourself along the way. So That's absolutely beautiful. I actually, every, every hair on my body started standing up when you were Aww. talking about that. <laughs> well, um, that's just, you know, personal interests that underlie the actor, I guess, right? Because beautiful. I'd say every actor is a person who's accepting of all of the happiness and sadness that comes in in each moment and they can identify those and then they would like to express more than what they're allowed to express essentially in their day-to-day social life as well so it really creates a, a place to open up for me I tend to get a little bit serious and for me I love going there and being silly like at the theater I can be I can just be so silly and I love that if if this is too too deep, please feel free to say pass. But I okay. I'm just I'm I'm wondering how you found meditation because obviously you're very invested in it and 
well-read, uh, extremely eloquent about it as well. Oh, thank you. How did I find it? Well, of course, life brings sadness. And for me, um, sad- sadness came uh, in so waves. Yeah, so just one after the other. So eventually I uh, picked up guitar. And guitar was like, wow, like my voice cannot hit this note or this pitch or it doesn't sound as beautiful. But really it started with the mandolin. It wasn't actually a guitar. So mandolin and music is a sort of a meditation because you really get to get it out of you. You're expressing yourself and you're not even really like yelling anything. You're just slamming the strings down or playing them as beautifully as you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that actually, you know, that's how it all began. It's just sort of, um, and then it sort of is becomes like, what is your natural interest, and how do you termini- how how what is your terminology around spirituality as well? And we've seen spirituality change so much throughout history as humans that it in itself is a study. Therefore, to just find my own relaxed meditation and connectivity with just simply the earth was really enough for me. It, you you find the basis of like the humming vibration of all things living and things like that, that, you know, comes back to music as well. So it really, unfortunately, it, it always comes from the sadness, but it builds, it creates character, courage, dignity, and you live honestly. Oh my gosh. Can you, can you become part of my daily life, please? And give me <laughs> these nuggets. I, oh my gosh. I, um... well, you know, this is me at 11 a.m. We'll see how I am at 7. I might want to shoot pool with you and talk differently, you know? Oh, I love that. I, I love it. I love what you said, too, about the guitar in terms of you can play it heavy or you can play it delicately. And it, it is a form of loud expression without being loud. It's it's pretty interesting, too, if you think of it like scientifically, the sound waves that come out and bounce off of the physical air, which is not available in space. This is unique to our planet. Wow. Oh, my God. You're blowing my mind here. <laughs> this is so great. Uh, so, obviously, like, you you can act. You're playing the guitar. You're highly mm-hmm. educated. Uh, so, the arts, they seem very natural to you. Has that For been sure. the case from day one? Yeah, from day one, funny thing, I just always was out driving the county with my mom. We lived in the country, so I was always out auditioning um, Petrolia. Then there was also this, like, Christmas choir that would happen annually with children. All of those things. And then also at church, I was always playing different roles for Christmas and all that. And the first song that they gave me at church was from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I just absolutely loved the energy that was coming out, you know, finally in a church setting too. Mm. And uh, that was really, really fun. And those were the first times I got to use a microphone, get used to technical difficulties, because <laughs> that the, the microphones can go in on and off a, a lot. So, and that actually seems to be the one thing that comes with my package is if you put a mic on me, something's probably going to go wrong. It's like a lot of testing that needs to happen. Why do you think, why do you think that is? Do you think it's uh, your, your energy or? I just get that lobby sobby energy, that lucky energy, you know, where something a little bit goes wrong, but that's all right. You know, it's always an overcoming thing. You just kind of deal with it. And with live theater, it's um, where I started was projecting my voice into that theater with no microphones back 
then. So mm-hmm. now that people are microphoned, it's like way easier. But uh, <laughs> yeah. when it when it when it goes out, I have no problem talking like the Wicked Witch of the West. Hey? <laughs> yeah, the the microphone stuff. I find them a hindrance personally because I am excessively loud. But I I love that idea of you know if something's going to go wrong, why not be the mic? Because it's something you can fix. It's yeah. something you can you know troubleshoot. Yeah, they're funny. But those, like, for actually on Miracle on 34th, my microphone would not send the message from the battery pack on my back. It wouldn't go through my body to the sound booth. So we decided that I should wear the battery pack on the front of my body, and that's the only way it would work. So I had it, like, tucked into my hip bone just sort of up, up front for the, for the whole run. Really? You know, it's, yeah. it's so funny to be, like, it was such an intimate we were all together like I felt like every Sunday I was with the group all day long and so it felt like I I must know everything that's going on but even there's all these little things that I had no idea right I know so 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 many moving parts and that's that's probably why it's pretty intimidating to be a director oh my god yeah no that is people are doing it and man are they good (laughs) when i get those timetables printed out from andrea matthews i am i am legitimately excited Mm -hmm. i love organization for some reason i don't know (laughs) but i i love it when everyone can be there on time and doing the same thing and they're all quiet when they need to be oh man i love it just so cool it's respect you know absolutely so is that yeah. something maybe loving organization would would stage manage management or being a director or something is that in your in your path in the future? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like that's for example, uh, that is great difference from screen acting to stage acting. So with a, a female screen actress, uh, she has a limited sort of pool of roles that she can take. Um, there are not a lot of roles that are written for older women, and Reese Witherspoon does focus on that um, in some of her things that she was doing in the last couple of years. So um, when you come into the theater, though, you have so many things that you have a lifetime of things that you can do. You can be building sets. You can be special effects um, painter on the set to make bricks out of wood. I mean, you can do the makeup. You can do the hair. You can do the lights. You can come in and find out what part of the theater you want to be part of and it's it's regardless of age. So for me, I have, you know, also like for the plays that are actually brought forward, those also produce many, many roles for various ages. So we're talking about a, a good happiness and a good selection. And that's something, you know, depending on where you are in life, maybe you want to be on stage, maybe you want to be backstage. Yeah. So that's what a wonderful way of, of uh, wording that in terms of the, the difference between being on screen or being on stage. Sure. And I, I'm sure people work on the sets many, many times, you know, off screen. And it's what I don't know and what I don't see for sure. But when it comes to starting with the topic of what roles are available for an older age for women, it sure has become an issue, actually. Yeah. But not on not on stage. Isn't that interesting? I think that probably says a lot about our culture, which is unfortunate. So then if uh, if you were to direct, 
do you have, or your stage manager, whichever you would prefer to talk about, or both, uh, <laughs> do you have plays in mind that you would like to? No, no, not at all. No, I think that that those kinds of thoughts will come later in life. Right now, I'm, I really am still thinking of, great, what next show can we come, like, what's the next big thing that's going to come out? What kind of group of people would I like to be hunkered down with for a few months, <laughs> yeah. you know? Because it does, it becomes your family. And I've been um, very psychologically picking and choosing what kind of roles I would want to be sitting in and doing and dedicated to. So they've always been like Christmas time for sure when I want to get out of the house after seven, but it's dark out, you know, I've got somewhere to go. That's beautiful for me. Do you have an, a, a love for Christmas in general too, or is it more about the time? Oh of yeah. Year? No, I have a love for Christmas, but I, it's... I also have a love for Halloween, so yeah. So oh I yeah, your like house. Whole, you guys go yeah. all out for Halloween, don't you? We just did it the first time this year, and it started as like I wanted to do an art installation of these man-eating plants. Oh my god! And then I was like, well, well, why would I have man-eating plants on my yard for Halloween? Like no one else does that. And I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe it's poison ivy's garden then. So I was just gonna put up a sign say it's poison ivy, but then this awesome group of other people in Sarnia, not involved in theater whatsoever, they are acting on their front lawns and they're spooking people what? and so they come out yeah they come out dressed as michael or pennywise and it's halloween so it is scary it's scary like, as heck and it's hilarious because i thought oh michael's not gonna get me but he scared me bad when when we pulled past his house and it's funny when you scream and then you can't stop yourself from laughing <laughs> so you're just like ah, oh, okay you got me and you laugh so we we did something that was more child friendly that no one was going to jump out no one was intentionally going to cause fear of clowns or anything like that <laughs> so we developed a scenario where poison ivy gets trapped in her own creation and it's a ma giant man-eating flower and she's stuck in there because batman did something to her invention basically or he he's conspired with someone to have her trapped in this invention so all these kids came and i live on a three-lane one-way road and all three lanes were completely stopped and people were standing out of their sunroofs and dr just running across the road and coming in droves. And my front lawn got totally trampled, but oh, I'm no. okay with it. <laughs> I replanted it. It's growing beautifully. I see it out there to, like yesterday. Today it's snowy. Yeah. Yesterday it was green. It was such a treat, though, to have people come here. I didn't think of it, that. I remember seeing pictures uh, on Facebook, but I... I... I didn't know the level of commitment and art installation for Halloween. Like, I love that so much. I might put a pumpkin out on my porch and that's yeah. about it. And I, it's funny to me that you say that you laugh when you get scared. I get yeah. mad because I <laughs> don't like it. I like Yes, I know. <laughs> if Michael got me, I'd probably too. punch him in the nose, which is not good for anybody. It wouldn't I do any damage. It's part of it. But. Yeah, it's part of it. It's like how angry you just got me from being silly, and then that makes me laugh so hard. I love that you would laugh because I definitely that's not that's not my path. When I hate <laughs> hate being scared. I love I Halloween do, yeah, because yeah. of the getting dressed up and 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 the little kids all dressed up. I love that, but I do yes. not enjoy being scared. Well, I don't enjoy being scared. As a matter of fact, I've not watched a scary movie since I was 16 years old. And the scariest thing, though, I did watch a bit of that Walking Dead mm -hmm. up until they killed Glenn, and then I was done with it. 
I can't even broke look my, at the commercials. Broke oh. my little heart, they oh. did. I know nothing about it because zombies, nope, can't can't even watch commercials for zombie stuff because I don't sleep for a month. Can't do it. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, um, I tried as a kid, my, my dad really got us into like zombie B movies, which I don't even remember what they were called, but they were kind of funny, you know, because oh, okay. they weren't that high budget. <laughs> and uh, and I, my trick was to watch them in the daytime only. But like I say, I grew up in the country. So you go outside your house, and everything's quiet. You're like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And like nope. I say, that was it. I uh, watched, I think it was like Pitch Black or something was the movie at my 16th birthday party. And that was the end. No more. We're done here. No more, like, why put my mind into such a dark place? I'm just working on uh, being happy. So I, I I, actually just cleanse myself of anything. No entertainment that's dark, basically. That is, yeah. I There's no words. I'm just nodding my head like yeah. a crazy person because yeah. I'm like, that's a, yep, that, I, yep, me too. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I wrote down and I underlined it and then I circled it creativity in your house because I'm thinking you have three kids right yeah and all of these things the meditation the art installations guitar mandolin all these things must just permeate through the walls of your house and yeah they do and I'm, I'm <laughs> and curious. out onto the street and into the neighbor's <laughs> in it, uh, window and yeah it gets kind of loud because I I um like I say like sometimes of course, like I'm not going to deny that I feel down sometimes. So, of course, I'm going to play. Sometimes I plug in my guitar, electric guitar, and I get it going nice and loud. And then I get the distortion balanced out. And then I get rocking and rolling. And I, and it's fun and I don't mind if it's loud. No one really minds. My, my kids just kind of close me into my office <laughs> right here. I'm in the office right now and it's got like desk and a couple guitars. And James has his bass and we play together and then... We also like uh, turn on karaoke and sing along sometimes too, cause cause that's fun. So, but the kids, Bernadine dressed full out for Halloween as the black cat, and this was the most amazing thing. I never, no one ever asked her to do or be involved or dedicated. She, out of her own accord, was out on that lawn from 7:30 till about nine o'clock every single night of this art exhibit, and she would greet people. She would. She would jump out and go, hello, I'm Black Kitty. Welcome to the, welcome to Poison Ivy's Garden. And she would walk them around and it really broke the ice because people like the front yard here, it's all completely fenced in. So they would have to literally come through the fence and under this archway and they're terrified. There's so many plants and there's big glowing. It was, um, it was all glow in the dark, like um, black light. Mm, and then I had I had some spooky Batman music going too so you know the black kitty really made the night or people may not have come in they may have just stood on the corner on the curb there so that's so great that just got so involved in it so I've been involved with theater Sarnia since 2001 that was my first play and we also did a traveling show to London Ontario for a one-act festival which Mm. was the London one-act festival I was mentioning earlier and that's when I learned mandolin. The director, Megan Hobbs, now known as Megan Hadley, she handed me her uh, partner's mandolin and had me learn that instrument. And she did not give me any music or any, any direction other than play I want happy, then I want sad, then I want sort of worried or anxious, and then I want it to go back to happy. 
So that's what I did for our presentation of Run, Hamlet, Run. I did live music right on stage with the actors. Wow. And we won. We won an award. So wow. that, that was a, a great step into acting. We got the best ensemble. And moi, je parle français aussi. So I cannot say the English words in the way the English people say. If it's a French word, I'm going to say a French. So we got the best ensemble. And that was really, really, really nice to come home with that kind of award with a youth group, of, a group of uh, teenagers. So the, to have those teenagers getting along and everything was, was a great experience. And then now we're all the way up to 2022, and I've got, like, piles of memories and tried to keep all the programs and that kind of thing. Your accent is absolutely gorgeous, and if you want to use French at any point from here on out, please do. It sounds so <laughs> well, pretty. So pretty. I love languages, and then yeah, that was gorgeous. Thank you, Merci. So then, it, did did she did Megan know that you played guitar when she asked you to take up the mandolin? Um, yeah, I really, I kind of don't really remember because I was about thirteen. Oh gosh. So we were. Like, it was that group of, like, I would say Megan's kids, you know, we were all coming to that theater, uh, the Little Theater on Campbell Street, and at that time I could, like, ride my bike with my guitar on my back. So I don't think I got my guitar until I was about 17, so I was involved with that group for so long (laughs) that it sometimes jumbles together in memory, but I believe that, no, I was not strumming a guitar. I was given this mandolin, and it was like the beautiful sound of a mandolin. Once again, my voice can't hit those pitches. I love to sing, but that was like angels' voices to me, I thought. But also, it sounds a bit like a flute, you know? It's like a surprise that this isn't a wind instrument, the quality of sound that comes out of it. Now I want to, like, YouTube mandolin so that I understand all of that, because it's not something that I'm familiar with music definitely goes right over my head yeah well it's a it's not like for me i'm not strictly i'm not reading like um real sheet music i'll read tabs or i'll write out like quick tablature and stuff like that and because she gave it to me and said just play happy or sad it was a you know just a a case of hearing out the notes so i pluck the string oh that sounds like a sad kind of flat note you know so and then if I play it slowly enough that's perfect and then you increase the tempo and you get like a happier sort of a d d note and it's all happy and it's all full so that's when I by ear discovered music wow just by ear just 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 figured it out oh my goodness yeah, and that's when that's when you know a musician though is gonna last because they're yearning to create the sound that they want to hear. Oh my gosh! Okay, too ma- too many too many stuff. This is amazing. Too too many stuff. So, is there other times in your your theater career that music has been brought to you in the same kind of a way? Hmm. No, never really again. That that, and I think that's what made it such an outstanding show is that no. Nobody's really done music live on stage except for Megan Hadley. And she did it again when we did a presentation of A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. And this was well before the Romeo and Juliet uh, retake was done on film. This was this crazy new thing that we came up with where the fairies were kind of like, they had like a lot of body paint and they were very jungle. And then 
they would get onto these stationary uh, bicycles that were set on the stage and they would start pedaling away and literally the friction on the wheels would power the lights that were on stage so we had these little fairy lights on stage so the fairies were powering their own fairy lights and then there was a riser and a band played uh, Pink Floyd and all this kind of cool music with the show. And that, that I wasn't in that band, but that was way cool. And I think that band was called Canteen, I believe. Hmm. That's really neat. Like the blending of the different mediums in that space. Yeah, that. for sure. And I, I always think, wow, that, that belongs, you know, on stage there to belong. It needs to be like the live music is pretty interesting to see. When, the, when a person's playing live music and they walk around, of course, the pitch and everything changes. So you can play with that as well in the future. Huh. I hadn't thought of that. That Yeah, you'd be turning and moving and how the sound would bounce off the spaces around you would, would change. It just would yeah. naturally happen. Yeah, that and that's pretty... I've seen it done vocally in our theater. At Imperial Theater, there's an astounding amount of acoustic value. It just it carries the acoustics beautifully. And there was a group called the Elmer Eisler Singers, and they were the most beautiful group I've ever seen. They positioned singers throughout the auditorium as well as on stage. And then they did sort of like an, an echo, but they were so talented with like an operatic opera voice. And it was like listening to water drop on, or like a raindrop here on top of the pond, and then over there on top of the pond, and over here on top of the pond. And then the, then the you know, waves come out and they connect, and then you've got this really beautiful sound that they were doing with just their voices. So you could do that with instruments, I suppose. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. Like I, To be completely surrounded by singing, I think that would be... It was beautiful. Oh my beautiful. goodness. These yeah. are all wonderful things for when you decide to direct, and I look really <laughs> forward to, I That's hope it true. happens soon, that you can incorporate all these amazing different things. Well, well thank you for planting the seed. You're planting it now, because I wasn't even knowing this until we spoke. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Like, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm just, like, anxiously awaiting it. Um, Sweet. Hopefully I don't irritate the crap out of you. Like, hey, I need meditation books. And no. <laughs> I need you to start this directing journey so that I can be entertained in the way that I yes. want to be entertained. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But like it's entertainment. It's just so relaxing. It's just mm. such a gift to take us away from the day to day. So it is such a gift. And it, it does feel like a gift to be able to give it to other people and to mm-hmm. be involved in the theater. For me, definitely, it feels like oh, like the right place to be and being surrounded sure. by the right people or the like people of, of like mind, which is so comforting to me. For sure. Yeah. So there was another thing that I wrote down here, um, something that you had said at the beginning about wanting to be comedic. And immediately I thought of, I think it was Christmas Carol. There was like a, a scene where a group of you were using, I think it was Cockney accents or something similar. And it was brilliant. It was just this little scene. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know. You know what? I, I, my very best friend named Susan, I, I, I met her doing that scene basically like 
we did Miracle on 34th, and all the only moment we had together, Susan and I, was just sort of before the curtain opened. We happened to both be on stage, right? So we would be like, nee, 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 and then we'd have to be really quiet. But then for the Christmas Carol, it was three women who were titled the Hags, oh, oh. and um, and in, it was a good dynamic because the director was Jay Peckham, and I actually really adored the dire- direction quality that he gave. It was like really the first time where the director had like this idea of how the scene should go and wanted to chip away and create and mold the actors into it. And uh, I really loved that because we did, all three of us came out at the first rehearsal. We all sort of were standing the same. We were all sort of talking the same. Like we all, we all know what a hag is, right? (laughs) And so he was the one that broke that up and gave us the dynamic of, she's the bossy one she's sort of the dim-witted one and then she's the one that makes it all happen so i i got to be the bossy one and um it made me change the completely change how i was embodying the character physically i stood up way straight kept my head really strict and basically i thought of the mother from the evil stepmom from cinderella (laughs) and i thought i'm gonna try and kind of be her and it and it did work because susan is a very tiny physique woman and the director had this tiny woman run on stage and grab me by the waistband and try to pull me away from succeeding at uh, ripping Scrooge off basically because he'd been mean to these characters their whole lives and they were ready for him to pass and they were going to take all of his goods so uh, that was the scene you know it was this nitty gritty dark scene and it was funny because I worked on a lot of committees within the city and different people and they they did come up to me after the show and they said it looked like you had so much fun doing that show and it was hilarious having this tiny woman pull me back you know every night like that so cute it was so good and you know those are the types of things in a show that I look for and I'm excited by that you know everybody's focusing on the main storyline and maybe might miss these little tidbits but That's I true, live yeah. for it. I absolutely live for it. And I love the the level of commitment you all had to that. Yes. In yeah. bringing it alive. Mentioning Jay too as a director, he definitely had a very different view. At least to me, it seemed very different uh, view of Christmas Carol. And I'm wondering, was that something that you all kind of embraced? Or was it kind of like, hey, this is not the way we do things here? Or You know... That's funny you ask. I'm glad you asked because that was top secret stuff. (laughs) We didn't know. We weren't allowed to know. We were not allowed to know that there was going to be a giant Ruth puppet. Really? Yeah, we didn't see it. We knew there was going to be some kind of puppet. He kept us purposely and even worded it like it's a mystery, it's a secret. Wow. Um, He did outline that he was going to do... A large Dementor, like you would see from, I think it was Harry Potter, mm-hmm. the Dementor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he did mention that there would be a large Dementor, and we kind of knew that. But man, when that Ruth puppet was built, that was like a huge surprise. And we had like a puppeteer that was practicing all the time, but he was standing like this with his hand. So we uh, we didn't know he, he was going to be... So he had his hand up at his shoulder level, I should say, for those listening. And then we eventually realized that uh, the puppet was going to be way over his head. So he, he outstanding award to him. 
for having his hand above his head for all of that, that would have been really difficult. It was a difficult puppet, I, I would say, to, uh, to maneuver, and he did a great job because it was a big, big, big thing. Sneaky. So sneaky. sneaky that he did it that that Jay did that that way to even keep because you you assume as an audience member that the cast is all in on the joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> that the yeah. cast is all like you guys are backstage going, yeah, here comes the you know Ruth head again. Everybody's <laughs> gonna be surprised. We were just as pumped as the audience. We wanted to go and peek from little balconies and I see bet. this thing in action. I bet. Yeah, I, it was a good surprise, very beautiful thing to do, especially for Ruth, who uh, works with the youth group as well, um, doing, you know, spending a lot of time doing organization and that kind of thing. Yeah, she's definitely a, a personality that is recognizable and beloved. And For sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was... I, I have seen the Christmas Carol, I think, maybe a hundred times in my life and love it for exactly what it is the pure idea of it but mm -hmm. i adored that it was this brand new kind of kooky but <laughs> you know rendition of it and i it was it was i was so appreciative of of that and I, it must have been fun to kind of be a part of it and wondering what was gonna happen so when when was the big reveal for you guys like when you went to show it uh, it would have been tech week, so we were doing, um, you know, like, you spike the stage, you spike where you're standing for lights and all your light specials and all that. And so the large puppet, over life-sized uh, Ruth, came out probably within, I would say, seven days before the performance. I could be a little bit wrong, but somewhere around there, we really did not see this puppet until, <laughs> until we were uh, in costume and being quite professional. Wow, that's unreal. I wish I would have known that when I interviewed Ruth and or Jay. <laughs> I might just like <laughs> send them a little message to ask a little more. That, oh, wow. That's fun. Yeah. Well, they would have experienced the whole other side where they yeah. kind of knew and they were, you know, planning it out. Yeah. Oh, I love I love a good secret. So that'd be <laughs> super fun. So we are already reaching the point. Uh, this has gone by so fast. Um, yes, yes. That we're getting close to that one hour mark. And I, I wanted to give you the floor to talk about anything, anything you want to bring awareness to or plug or, you know, whatever your little heart desires doesn't have to be theater based. Well, uh, I think like as we kind of opened up the beginning of this interview, I think it's so good. So to close it that way as well. And it, once again, it's like mentioning the funding towards youth programs and things like that. I fully believe that if we have a lot of community funding, we can start offering these programs for free to the youth. And one big thing that's always been at the top of the top is thinking Freedom 55 Financial, actually. Freedom 55 Financial presents a regular donation as well as sometimes a large check and gives opportunities for those who are in a show to kind of be in the newspaper when they receive the check. Um, but this check usually does go directly towards the youth groups. So that's one thing. If we could keep donations rolling and appealing to any corporations or community organizations who have an interest in creating a better future for our society, it's defining a role for youth is where we start to start combating things like homelessness and drug abuse. And that's why I feel like 
what we offer at the Imperial Theatre is a prime experience. It's one of a kind. And, and it's to each their own, you know. It's what you make of it. If you want to be quiet and to yourself, people accept that. We love you, you know. It's all types of people. So that's what I wanted to get out. So thank you for letting me say that. Uh, you know, what you said about making it accessible, theatre is has been so much... Or When I was a kid, it, it, it saved me in a million ways. That's and right. it breaks my heart that there are, there are children out there that don't have the financial means to be involved in it, which is a Correct. huge motivator for me to, to, to plug that and want to try and generate funds for them so that everybody can access it and, and be benefited by it. So that's right. And you put that and, you so know, much more eloquently. <laughs> I'm so grateful. And there, you know, your show is pr- appropriately named Sarnia Famous because children that came out of those programs, they are in Toronto now making careers. And these are kids that I acted alongside of. And they're, they're out there. They're getting, their names are out there. you got Carson and Taylor that are in Toronto putting forward some of the best physical comedy people have seen. And then there are multiple other people that are from Sarnia, they're Sarnia famous, they're out there doing their thing, and you know, it's just creating a new garden this year. We're gonna create that new garden, plant some more little uh, Sarnia stars, and and get some more kids growing and interested in this. This is also creates a future of persons who are able to speak in public, who are comfortable with making decisions, or comfortable um, just being themselves for once, you know, and that, that can happen, that we're we become very uncomfortable with ourselves because we see ourselves every day. Uh, but once you go out and you meet all these silly people out at theater or all these kind of time maintenance controlled organized people, you get like role models, you get family and you get great friends. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the value here that we have to offer. <laughs> Thank you. You're so engaging and so inspiring. I don't think that the hair on my arms has stopped being on end since the Ooh, beginning of this and i i didn't even do a mariah carey impression you <laughs> <laughs> didn't need to sister i truly um thank you so much for being vulnerable with me for sure and and sharing your heart and and being just putting all the things that i i agree with especially about the youth group into such eloquent words that i sure. d- definitely um so grateful that you made the time for me today. No problem. Well, thanks. Thank you very much for inviting me, thinking of me, and of course for creating this platform because it's getting the word out there, that's for sure. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, hopefully we'll get to do a show together again soon and I won't abuse you on the stage as I did <laughs> in Miracle. No, please. <laughs> please do. I, it's all insured. <laughs> <laughs> good point. That's a good, good point. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you have a great one. See you. Thank you, bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Next week's guest is Kip McMillan, whose enthusiasm is adorbs and totally contagious. See you then.